0: So hey, well, I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on the Saturday, June sixth. 2020. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage, and in some cases, start conversations. We kind of break the rules here for Native Radio. We don't do prayers or buffalo speeches, and we don't do spirituality shows. We take a tough look at history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all the teeped upon us, and we do it all right here live from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So Let's Talk Native. I want to remind people, though, that our uh, audio does stream live on our website, www.letstalknative.com, and we stream live video of the show on via Facebook Live on our Facebook group pages and across many other group pages. Uh, we take the audio we put it up on our on soundcloud which puts it out as a podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms we take the video we put it up on our youtube channel which is let's talk native tv again i uh, suggest you recommend that you subscribe to our podcast and to our youtube channel so you can catch not only our video of our shows and it is the best viewing the best viewing of the shows If, if you're not catching us live uh, the best way to view the show is on youtube because the we well we edit down uh you know some of the intro and the uh the outro so it's, uh, it just makes it more concise and the video quality is a little bit better so um again enjoy the program whether you're catching us live or you're catching us later um, i'm going to take it on again uh, my topic today is assimilation is genocide and i know i've talked about this issue before and or in fact i've talked about a range of issues that Come back to this premise, but you know I want to start off by saying i don 't i'm not going to make any apologies here if if I offend anybody and i'm not going to make any apologies for the voice that I give to this subject, and look, I know there are many people uh, who listen, who watch, who wrestle with their identity and you know church plays a role military uh enlistment plays a role you know families of veterans patriotism in to the US plays a role uh, the the idea of being caught in 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 between this the the you know the the racial tensions especially between black and white well where does that leave native people brown people red people whatever you want to call us i mean yeah, because we have a whole lot of Native people who not only lean to the right, but they lean to the white, and they want to distance themselves from, uh, you know, from Black Lives Matter, for instance, or uh, you know, conf- you know, Confederate flag waving, you know, Southerners, or you know, whatever. So we wrestle with all this stuff, and in 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 this struggle, this personal struggle, this cognitive dissonance that I talk about all the time, we find ourselves. Losing our distinction, you know and again if 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 you uh, and, and people can believe what they want to believe, you can worship how you want to worship but but make no mistake about it. if you adopt the white man's religion, there's a lot that came with it historically uh and contemporarily it does, and there's no denying that i mean and and look, if that's what you believe, then that's what you believe, own it i mean but if I call it out. Don't pretend I'm bullying you, or that I'm somehow enraged. I'm not. I'm not enraged. Look, I have family members who who have political views different than mine. I have family members who have religious and spiritual views that are far different than mine. I have friends, some close, some not, some close, and some of these close friends I offend on a daily basis because of the position, the position that I take about calling out the doctrine of christian discovery calling out the role that the church has played in slavery and genocide and racism and i don't mean 500 years ago and i don't mean 200 years ago i mean today today so and that doesn't mean that if you if you are a christian that you're you are a racist it, but it means that the faith that you believe in, the, uh, many of the virtues and, and and you know all the words of Jesus, the New Testament, Old Testament, they support much of this. And I know people are going to say, oh, no, it doesn't, no, it doesn't. Well, look, I know we can cherry pick and find language in a lot of religious dogma, a lot of le- religious writings, whether it's the Torah, the Koran, the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. I mean, look, you, you can find plenty of stuff that... You know, look, that's Westboro Baptist Church. That's how they, you know, came up with their outrageous outlying position on so many things. Because they could find, they could cherry pick the Bible. But the problem is, policy sometimes gets based on this stuff. Look, the, the fact that Native people were treated less than human, Black people were treated less than human, it all begins because we were first regarded as pagans. And then even as, as the conversion would, would weigh heavy on us, we would still just be considered converted barbarians i mean look you can believe what you want to believe you can pray you can worship you can love jesus and all that other stuff you can do all that stuff i just that's just not what i do i mean and and part of the reason i give voice to these issues I think that some Native people need to hear that they don't need to be pulled into these camps. They don't need to be pulled into the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or into voting, period. They don't need to be dragged into church. They don't need to be, need to be pressured into military service. They don't need to do any of that stuff. And and there was a time then that pressure was really heated. Look, there was a time that you could be dead. You could be killed if you didn't worship the way white people wanted you to worship. There was a time that... Enlisting in the armed forces to kill people who are not enemies of ours was viewed as the best option for life. Well, that's not—that's no longer the best option. I mean, it never really was, but we don't need to make those compromises in our. In, I mean, look, I, I advocate—you know—the the the, uh, the position that, that Muhammad Ali took. Look, I mean, the the draft enlistment—it was—it's all about the black man or the the native person. <laughs> You know, b- being enlisted in the military to kill, uh, to kill for the white man, kill the yellow man, kill the uh, the Asian people or brown people, whatever, um, and defend land they stole from from native people. I mean that that's you know a paraphrasing, but that's kind of what the Muhammad Ali. I have no reason to, to join the U.S. military, but so if you do that, what happens? Well, what happens is every powwow becomes a veterans powwow we every native every nation every native community has to wrestle with well do we take christian holidays off you know do i mean how much are we bound by i mean look whether you're talking about you know the the head what the 2020 a.d year of the lord right i mean look it, it creeps in, and I and I get it. I, it creeps in, and we look. We could go by our own calendar if we want to. It'd be confusing, but there's. But it's crept in. Hell, we used to you use, the, the words we would use to describe the time of day were it it, it would be a, a long drawn out expression in our language that would count the hours by the tolling of the church bells. So even the, even the bells ringing in, in the churches that were being built on our territory became part of how not only did the, the actual ringing of the bells regiment us towards white man's sense of time, but it even creeps into the language. I mean, it, when I, I remember sitting in a, in a class where they were talking about, well, this is how you say the time of day. And the words translated into so many tolls of, of a church bell. So, I mean, this stuff creeps in, and look, and if it creeps in, it replaces something, it replaces something in who we are, in our identity. Look, there are a whole lot of native people who who firstly identify themselves as, vet- as veterans or as Christians or as Americans, you know uh, or Canadians, even. There's a whole lot that don't though, so my voice to this uh, to this subject and look is it is it controversial well, it shouldn't be because there's plenty of the other voices on the other side of this conversation, but my voice is to is to is to support those people who do not feel compelled to adopt the white man's religion who do not feel compelled to to vote in their elections or participate in their census or to to, to go down that path and and the reason is because assimilation and that's what all of this is i mean look we can say it's not but it is i mean assimilation is still genocide assimilation the definition of genocide isn't just killing people and they did plenty of that to us and and it isn't just taking our land and they did plenty of that to us it is creating a condition where we cease to exist as the people we once were or that we we're trying to maintain ourselves we lose our distinction that's exactly what assimilation is by definition it's to draw you in to the you know to to, to conform so lose your identity lose your distinction and conform i mean that that's what it i mean that's what it is and look i, I get it there's a lot of shiny objects in their vessel there's a lot of wonderful promises made with, their, you know, with all of their rhetoric about freedom, uh, with all their rhetoric about everlasting life, with all their rhetoric about righteousness and Jesus loves you and, and, and all of this stuff. I mean, Trump will sit, sit up to a microphone and say how much he loves everybody, but do you believe it? I, I mean, come on. And, and so where does this assimilation take us? Well, look, I'm, I'm going to segue into a story that that's just breaking, which is the the Mashpee Wampanoag winning a um uh their their first court challenge to the Trump administration's Interior Department ripping away uh, their reservation status. They they've acquired land and they've used the the Fee to Trust process to acquire lost land and they've built out their land holdings. With the intent of not only building, you know, clinics and administrative buildings, but ultimately they want to build a casino. Ooh, what a surprise! It's it's one of the few areas that we can carve out um, an effective economy or, or um, means of public finance. So sure, that's what they were, they were they were trying to do. The Trump administration just wiped that out. Now, let's be clear here: Trump hates native gaming. He hated it because he was a failure as a, as a casino. You know, owner and operator. I mean, he 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 was brought in the con- uh, in the congressional hearings where he basically condemned native people who didn't look Indian enough Indian enough to him. I mean, and that, you know that's that's widely available uh, video. But so this this Mashpee decision was to cancel lands that had been previously approved as. Lands held in trust for the for the for the Mashpee, um, and with that designation, it is considered "quote unquote" Indian country, Native lands. Well, now the Trump administration says no, it's not, and so the challenges to all of this uh, line up with this thing called the the nineteen uh, thirty four ruling rule, which and this gets back to this whole idea of assimilation the, the whole issue with the 1934 which was the year that the Indian Reorganization Act came out that's what it's tied to because in that Reorganization Act was the, not only attempt to wipe out native uh, traditional governance uh, wipe out a lot of native culture uh, conform us to little constitutional like US constitutional governments but it also redefined Legally for the United States what they considered a quote-unquote Indian. And it, that's where they, they defined that a federally recognized tribe is a tribe, band, or nation of Indians subordinate to the laws of the United States. And it also was an attempt to fix the fact that 10 years prior, in 1924, they declared that all Native people were citizens. We didn't ask for it, but they just made that declaration. And of course, they with the... You know, with a proviso that says if nothing in this declaration of U.S. citizenship being imposed upon us would take anything, uh, any of our, our our property, any any of our possessions away, which it did. I mean, it it it, it gets into income taxes. It gets into in, into any number of things that once the U.S. says you are one of us. It imposes all of their laws upon us. But see, it wasn't done effectively. And and they know what and, and, and it was illegal. I mean it it was essentially considered a war crime to denationalize, to strip away somebody's national character and impose another national character upon somebody was considered a war crime. So in nineteen thirty four they try to they again, they try to fix it. And, and and they make these this definition. Now I don't know where it leaves You would think with what they defined as far as their law is concerned. That all native people were there, were hereby under U.S. jurisdiction. Well, we weren't, and how do I know we weren't? <laughs> because today, you not only have to prove that you are under U.S. jurisdiction to be federally recognized in a requ- request for federally recon- to be federally recognized and you not only have to prove that you are under juris- that you are under US jurisdiction today to reacquire lost land no no you've got to prove that you are under US jurisdiction in 1934 so you got so that's where the Mass fee are now the Mass fee did provide a whole lot of documentation that would would suggest that the U.S. had asserted jurisdiction over the Mashpee, which is a little different than saying we had transferred our sovereignty or had given, submitted to their jurisdiction, but see with this administration, with the Trump administration, that's where this test is if you haven't definitively proven to the Interior Department, to the Trump administration, that you had submitted, had you, that you had subjugated yourself to U.S. jurisdiction in 1934. Now, I don't know what kind of documentation is required to do that, but you have to adequately, for the Interior Department's purposes, adequately prove that you were under U.S. jurisdiction, not today, but 90 years ago, 85 years ago, 1934. So this judge ruling um, in 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 the the D.C. federal court basically said, um, that the Mashpee had provided that you know, so it's a win, but I'm just so troubled by the only way you win, the only way you can gain access and uh, to remedies, is by totally sub- submitting to U.S. Jurisdi- jurisdiction. I mean, it's it, so you have to assimilate so far. Uh, to 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 maintain d- distinction, I mean that's literally what they're saying. They're saying if you want to maintain native land and if you want to maintain you know our recognition of you as a native person, you have to you have to assimilate to a place at least in terms of jurisdiction. I mean it's a huge compromise. It is a huge problem, and you know what? Our people do it. And why do they do it? Well, because the shiny objects, right? Well, if you do that, then you can have a casino. Well, if you do that you can you you're one of us now yeah you can, you 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 can claim membership in a tribe, but you're one of us now you're under our jurisdiction. We have authority over you now, and don't worry that authority is all about freedom <laughs> yeah, we're seeing a lot of that over the last week or so so <laughs> you know and look i know i've talked about this subject before i've talked about assimilation i've talked about genocide i have talked about identity and it, it is a common theme look I, I use it in my intro but it's so important and that's why you know why i obsess over this is because there are people that are still wrestling with it i've been battling a few people on facebook this week over this very subject you know but and and you know they're they're Lumbee, They're Christians. They're Baptists. Then they want to claim, oh well, yeah, but all of that bad stuff that the, those bad Christians—they were all Catholics. Catholic. The doctrine of Christian discovery was a Catholic thing. Yes, be, only because the Protestant religion, the, the the church hadn't broken up yet. But trust me, when all those Protestant religions, including you know Presbyterian and Methodist and Baptists, when all of those things came into being, they still they they still benefited from all of that. You know all of the, the the Catholic dogma, and when I say the church played a role, I mean promoted slavery and, and genocide. I don't mean just the Catholic Church. You don't think Southern Baptists? You don't think the Baptist churches were supporting slavery, even as they got black people to become converted and baptized? A lot of that was about, again, was about submission. It was about subduing them. You know, give them all these promises that, that, you know, that, that you can claim Jesus will provide and that their faith will provide. But at the same time, I mean, they even altered the Bible that they would give to black people. So it wouldn't include some of the language in there. There, there was a special Bible produced that had a whole lot of chapters removed, a whole lot of sections removed. Just so they could, yeah. We don't want to. We don't want those Negroes to be uppity. Well, it's the same thing with Native people. I mean, it's the, the level of racism and, and absurdity that is involved with uh, uh, with not only the church, but the church playing such a big role in becoming a big part of our lives. You know, I mean. You know whether we put chocolate in a basket at Easter, or you know, or, or spend a fortune and look for all native businesses to provide Christmas bonuses, and you know whether we we get involved in all of that that commercialization of Christian holidays. That's only part of it. It, it, it is a big part of it. it. It promotes that whole consumerism. But the church does impact our lives all the time, and and again. It it pulls us away, not not. Look, I'm not a big one on spirituality anyway. I don't look at native. I don't long, I don't look at longhouses as, as a church. I don't look at being longhouse as being. As that's my religion. I don't have religion, and so I don't think it's about. It's not because we have a religion that that is you know that is being wiped out by the church. But it pulls us out of some of our cultural beliefs. So we end up doing things in our lives differently. We submit and we subject and we, you know, we, um, blessed are the meek, right? Because they will inherit the earth. We, we buy into all of this this rhetoric and it impacts us. You know, and then of course, religion and politics get mixed. I mean, that's why you have the evangelical right. So where does that leave people who are christians i mean yeah look i know when i start hearing some of these people promote their their christian beliefs and and they still they want to pretend that it's not that christianity doesn't bash gay gay people and uh and transgender people it doesn't it doesn't that it doesn't that it isn't misogynistic that it look the language is what the language is so, when you adopt that belief system you're you're taking all of that stuff there's a lot of baggage that goes with it you God and country right all of that stuff so you know my my concern is how it impacts us when we're dealing with contemporary issues, not just whether we believe in noah 's ark, <laughs> but we get into this sense of denial because the church was integral in the tr- promotion not just of slavery and genocide but but racism so we have a lot of native people who want to deny our relationship with black people for instance not only do we have a lot of native people that are that are troubled with supporting black lives matter but there's there was a lot of race mixing Um I mean, even amongst hodinosaunee tuscarora in particular but not just there. I mean, there's still race mixing happening every day. So we want to deny that we have not just a kinship or a you know uh, uh, mixing w- with our our African our our black brothers and sisters, but many native territories, m- m- native peoples that have a clear uh, you know a a clear. Level of like like the Lumbee, like the like the Tuscarora, like like many of the you know many Native peoples have a, a a big component of their of their ancestry involved having allies and you know alliances with with runaway slaves and look on the flip side we also had Native people who were trying to convert not only into into the right but into the white and and they were taking slaves. So, you know, we have to own some of that history and, and own our who we are today. Now, I'm not saying that just because we have, um, you know, black ancestry, that that takes away from our native ancestry. But it, but it certainly shouldn't, we shouldn't be rejecting it. And we shouldn't be trying to, you know, move ourselves to the right and to the white so we can act like we're racist towards black people and and that's what we see that's what we're experiencing so look I'm not going to make apologies if, 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 to anybody for, for the views that I express here and look I, I know I've got friends and I've got family who you know, are, are, are Christians who are veterans who vote who carry you know, US or Canadian passports all of that stuff but just but just know all of those things take something from you i mean you think it gives you something again the shiny objects it gives you the right to you know to call yourself an american a patriot you know a veteran you you can travel with a us passport but that means that you we can't you can't travel with our own documents because we're not fighting for that stuff all right. Hey, we're at the bottom of this hour. I know I do want to apologize for getting a late start. We're, we're still working on some things here. Uh, I think the product's better, but we're, you know, we, we end up with a couple of glitches here as we kick it off. So we're at, uh, about halfway into the show. So we'll take a break, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll come right back. I got a couple of things, um, you know, to talk about locally here, fairly locally here. Um, and, uh, and of course we'll do a little bit of a COVID update. So, uh, we'll be back after this. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. All right thanks for coming back this is john kane this is let's talk native hey let me um give a shout out to my sponsors because without them we couldn't do this and um and, and, you know b- between this show and the show that i do in new york even though we're doing it here for new york uh it would be hard to do it without uh, without the support we have from uh, from some of our sponsors so i want to thank ross and holly john and the rje family of businesses i want to thank the folks at grand river enterprises and native wholesale supply uh and i want to thank uh, what did I do? Uh, I, when you took a drink and we came back. Oh, I, <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're laughing at each other, so don't mind us here. But I also want to thank Eric White and ERW Enterprises. Um, you know, and, and and individuals like Cindy and uh, VJ and Steve and yeah, uh, tony and so many other people who will will, drop, will just on occasion drop a check in the mail it helps um you know we just you know we're upgrading equipment all the time so uh that that all helps so i want to thank all of you i also want to thank my wife for sharing the show across the, so many other facebook group pages and i want to thank all of you who, who listen who share the podcast who share the the videos and all of that so all right um a couple of things um it looks like tomorrow the, uh, again, according to um, world um, the world will reach 7 million confirmed cases. And of course, this is confirmed by test or death. Um, and the, the, the number of people who have been tested worldwide is still pretty low. I mean, the United States is only about 6%. And by the way, by tomorrow, the United States will reach 2 million confirmed cases. And of course, there are well over 100,000 uh, deaths associated with it. But, but again, I have to remind people, very limited testing. You know, There are countries that have, not, that have barely, barely tested a couple of percent. And then there are other countries that uh, you know there are about forty other countries that have tested a higher percentage of their population than the United States. And the United States, again, having tested uh, about six point two percent of their population, and still lead the world with almost. In like I said, by tomorrow they'll be at uh, they'll be at two million uh, confirmed cases, uh, and you know there are uh, one hundred twelve thousand deaths. Um, we're going to see there has there there have been upticks as in in many places uh various states various regions of states as you know people have you know are convinced themselves that the the worst is over so now they can loosen up all the restrictions and that kind of stuff i mean i don't know what the right answer um is or was or should have been but i do know that as some of the spread. may have slowed it'll probably pick up uh, as as people mingle and 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 much more socializing takes place so there's that and of course in the midst of all this stuff um and in the wake of uh uh, uh george floyd's uh killing at the hands of the, the minneapolis police there have been a there's been a constant an absolute constant um uh, level of clashes between urban police departments and and people who have pledged their support for justice in the wake of uh not just not just george floyd look there's there's thousands of people and there are many names that people have become very familiar with some very very recently um but over the last few years including children that have been killed by cops but as people went out to protest over the last week if anything the cops proved even more how much abuse of force they are responsible for we've seen it in every city and and see i mean, buffalo has a history of this stuff too i mean anybody who thinks that you know well western new york i mean again getting back to some of the the bible thumping i hear people say where there's jesus there's less less crime well i don't know there's plenty there's plenty of people advocating jesus in uh in a lot of these areas um and there's still plenty of violence that's taking place between police and and not criminals but just just protesters Uh, look look, we've seen little kids that have been pepper sprayed by cops we've seen little kids that have been knocked on the ground while their parents were holding them and look the imposition of curfews of course it's going to be met with resistance but But, to suggest that because the clock struck eight o'clock, that now cops can just level people, and that's what happened in Buffalo just last week uh in front of city hall the the special emergency response team of the Buffalo Police Department just knocked this seventy five year old man just just, sent him stumbling until he fell and smashed his head he smashed his head so hard and I I know people who were there and they said it, it sounded like a crack when his head hit the pavement or hit the sidewalk immediately blood started pouring out of his ear immediately I mean this wasn't like just getting a cut in the back of the head he hit his head so hard he started hemorrhaging out the ears and the police just walked by. I mean, they, they didn't even attend to him. Uh, finally, once they pushed him, nobody reached out to grab him to see if, if he was going to fall or to prevent his fall. And they didn't need to push him. Look, if he had, if, if they were going to arrest him, they should have just arrested him. You don't need to knock a 75-year-old man, you know, head smashing into the into the concrete. But that's what happened. And... Of course, the world saw it. It was, you know, um, WBFO news and WNED They they videotaped it. You know, it's uh, and it, it went out everywhere. And all of the, the the mainstream media. Buffalo finally got its due with the mainstream media. And the two officers who who shoved him got suspended without pay. And then I was was it just today or just yesterday? Uh, either yesterday or today. I think it was yesterday. They were they were um, indicted. For for assault, felony assault, second degree assault, which is a felony. And so, what do you think happened? So what do you think happened? So, so the district attorney, you know, charges them. And look, if anybody else, non-police, if any other person had knocked an old man to the ground and, and inflicted that level of injury, they would be charged. So, why not these guys? I mean, this guy was a, of no threat to them. He I mean, he wasn't. You know, uh, uh, he wasn't armed. He he wasn't making any threatening gestures. So they so they knocked the guy down and um and you know caused a you know a head a hemorrhage inside inside his head a brain hemorrhage I guess. Um, so they get they get charged. First off, almost the entire um, emergency response team resigned from the unit. So fifty-seven, you know, there were about sixty people in this unit. Fifty-seven of the Buffalo police officers resigned from the emergency unit in in solidarity. I mean, so this gets into the whole cult like brotherhood that exists amongst police, which is which is the problem. I mean, and this which defies the whole bad apple. See, it isn't just the two guys who did it. It's every one of those guys who support him. And it doesn't stop there, folks, because when uh, the the, um, the people had gathered because this indictment was coming down, n- there were hundreds of Buffalo police uh, officers and Buffalo Fire Department. So even the Fire Department, so these paid first responders to crisis all support a guy who causes a crisis, who, who causes, and this wasn't, look, I hate to say this, but the 75-year-old man was white. Not only was he white, but he his his last name is Gugino, which is a very common Italian name in Western New York. Uh, that's it's a big family in Western New York. I don't know who, if he's if all Guginos are related. I assume that they are somewhat, but this isn't you know. I mean, Buffalo is a has a strong you know Italian presence, and. I didn't hear any of the uh, you know the, the Italian community come out and supported this guy. no, even the mayor who supported allegedly and, and he was on some of these you know he was one of the talking heads on some of the mainstream media, even the mayor who uh, who supported the indictment then comes out and says, oh yeah this uh this Cugino character he was an agitator. well, where'd you get that information from? The police who knocked him on his ass. The police who are constantly lying. Look, I've got a friend of mine who uh, who went through a couple of years trying to fight back against the violence that was perpetrated against him. And he was peacefully protesting um, the war in, in Iraq. I mean, so the cops lie. I mean, they, they've been lying to the mayor for years and, and previous mayors. But no, there's the mayor standing behind his police department. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like Bill Barr down in in Washington D.C. Oh no, the we think that the the way the um the militarized police cleared the pass so Trump could go pose in front of a church with a Bible in his hand, we think they executed the um the, their procedures flawlessly. Well, and that and that's what the Buffalo Police Department's saying. And of course, the police, you know, union of course they're going to support these guys. They they support Anytime a police officer commits a crime, they they go to bat for that. And I guess that's their job. I don't know, but it 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 certainly. And I'm a pro union guy, but it seems to me when you have this level of advocacy, and it's not just about legal defense. It's not just about the union, you know, providing its its union support, you know, for you know officers in conflict. But they do PR. I mean, it, it ends up being being a whole propaganda. You know, effort, public relations effort that the union was behind these these cops. Who look the argument that th- this cop did not intend to inflict this level of harm. It kind of goes out the window if you just knock a guy over. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, if anybody else had done it, they would be charged. So why not these guys? You know, and and of course. You know, for those who are looking for reform of the police departments, it's it's real easy to to get excited about an indictment, but an indictment's not a conviction. You know, these this officer in in, in Minneapolis who who killed George Floyd, who killed George Floyd, um, he not only got indicted, but they they upped the charge to uh, to second degree murder, and the three other cops who helped him they got charged with aiding and abetting in in second uh in second degree murder and aiding and abetting and third degree murder aiding and abetting in and, and manslaughter from what i understand now anybody who thinks that these indictments is all we need to hear so we can all pack it in and say oh, okay we don't yeah we don't need to go out on the street anymore well they're ignoring the fact that in every city across the United States and in, in other places, you know, throughout the world, the the protests were not just about George Floyd. They were about police aggression. In every in so many of these other countries, yes, they, they, they carried Black Lives Matter signs and they carried George Floyd signs. But they said we have it too. They all personalized and they all made it a a a domestic issue every city across the world were they didn't just protest because of george this wasn't about condemning just the united states it was that but it wasn't just condemning the united states and the police state that the united states exists in it was to say no we're condemning our own uh, abuse of force that our own police departments are, are guilty of you know, so they not only carry you know a George Floyd sign, they'll carry a sign of somebody in their community who was killed by their own police, or or injured, or or somehow uh, you know violently abused by the police. The system is flawed, and if you don't believe the system is flawed, then then if you think it's just bad apples, then what the hell were two or three hundred uh, police officers and firemen stepping up to defend these two guys? Who are going to get their day in court? Their, their, their due process, and and I'm going to tell you, they aren't going to get convicted. And yet, that's you know this cult like brotherhood, you know this blue line, this blue code that exists for police. That's the system that's flawed. The fact that you can have a lieutenant. Um, walking right down the street with uh, you know a, a you know a, a street patrol officer and not do do or say or even notice when that when that patrol officer knocks you know a hundred and twenty pound girl on her on her ass smashing her her head on the pavement you know when you see how often and in in every one of these instances that the that the police have flat out Flat out, all come together and supported each other, uh, uh, no matter what the level of violence was. I didn't hear a single police chief condemn the use of of rubber bullets in a outside of the, uh, of the um, uh, the explicit way they're supposed to be used, shooting people in the face with with a rubber bullet. I haven't I haven't heard any one. Uh, there, there are a couple of officers in Atlanta that um, that. Get, that are facing charges for what they did to somebody who, who just happened to be in a car. They punctured, they they vandalized his car, and they they tased him and they beat him, all all of this stuff. It, it's just, uh, but for the most part, and nobody stopped him at the time. I mean, which is part of the issue. I mean, nobody stops anybody from killing somebody. Nobody stops a, a fellow police officer. And, you know, and look. I know police, I I know people who are police officers. And this is the character flaw. This is the system. I don't know if I personally know any police officer that would restrain another police officer who was hurting somebody. I wish I could say I did. But I don't. And that's why when you know when we say, you know, ACAB, you know. <laughs> Uh, all cops are bastards or all cops are bad. It's, you don't have to be the person kneeling on somebody's neck. You just have to sit there and protect them from somebody interfering with that. If you're doing that, yeah, I'm sorry. You're part of the problem. But Buffalo demonstrated so clearly, not only the the abuse of force, but the rallying cry amongst police officers and fire department, to defend their brothers when they've committed one of these horrendous crimes. Look, and Buffalo has a disproportionate amount of arrests against black people. They have a disproportionate amount of uh, black people in in their jails, uh, in their prisons. And, you know, and Byron Brown look you're i mean you're just playing uncle tom you're just playing uncle tom i'm just gonna say it i mean it's fine for you to get out there and support your the the da in indicting these guys but you know damn well <laughs> you're hoping that they're acquitted and you want to defend your police departments and i and, and look and that's what i say where are the mayors where are the all the elected officials yeah it's fine to put all the pressure on the on the district attorneys for for prosecuting these guys, but most of them aren't i mean the vast majority of violence that we've seen over the last week across youtube across facebook across the news channels you know across you know across cable t v nobody's i mean nobody's taking their names and gonna charge those cops if anything <laughs> there's some suggestion that if if you were a protester they're doing everything they can, which is more difficult with wearing a COVID mask, to use facial recognition to come at you later. Look, we need to keep it up. We, you know, and I don't. I don't say this. I'm not saying this as an American. I, you know, I'm not, I, as a Native person. Again, I'm going to say it again. Native people are killed at a higher rate, proportional to our, uh, you know, to our population than anybody else, except in one age demographic from 16 to 22. That's the only place where a black 16 to 22 year old has a higher chance of being killed than a native person. Proportional to our population. But again, native people, many of us don't live in urban environments. Many of the deaths that happen to native people are happening in rural areas that don't have the mainstream media rushing out to cover it. We rarely, unless somebody's a celebrity, unless there's some, or or it's in a city, like when when Savannah Graywind um, uh, was murdered and had her baby cut out of her you know, out of her out of her womb. Unless it's something sensational like that, there's no coverage. I mean, that's why we have missing and murdered Indigenous women, because who's going to report on it? hell yeah news will run a story on it every once in a while but do they do it are they going to count every day that another native woman is missing or is murdered or is found murdered or found dead no of course not of course they're not going to do that why because it's not happening in new york city it's not happening. I mean, look, these murders may end up happening, you know, because some of these women are, are being pumped into the sex slave trade. But they're women, these are women who are turning up missing from some remote reservation. So the mainstream media doesn't have to care about that. And our young men, or our, our men, not just our young men, again, all age demographics, a, a native man has a better chance of being killed by a police officer than anybody else much higher percentage than white and a, and, a, and a slightly higher percentage than black people you know and again only in that 16 to 22 year old age group do does, does the amount of black men killed per million of their population you know that's usually the standard they use so a percentage of their population that's the only place where their percentage surpasses native natives deaths deaths by cop So, that's why this concerns me. That's why we need to oppose the systemic failures of police departments. The systemic failures of the Justice Department, or just us, as I guess white people call it. Because there is no justice. If you're a person of color, you have to worry every time a cop stops you. You have to worry about how you carry yourself with police officers. Because they have the right they have the protection they don't have the right they don't really have a a legal right but they have case law supreme court rulings they have certain things that are that have been established that give them you know put them in a situation where they're not held accountable i mean somebody asked me about you know somebody who shot a podcast talking about the biggest problem is not racism it's not covid19 It's not poverty, it's not this, it's personal responsibility. Yeah, well, (laughs) then when do police officers, when do politicians, when do the people, when do they get held responsible? When are they held accountable for their actions? And again, if you're going to tell people that you need to go out and vote, and you need to put another person into office, to do what? I'll tell you what. What you are doing is you are giving up your responsibility to somebody else. Saying, "No, I, I voted you in. That's your job now." You can't promote personal responsibility and then, I, and the second breath saying, "But you need to run for office. You need to. You need to vote. You know, people who are going to be what more responsible." So. so to take your responsibility away look i I have a conversation about leadership right and you know people say well there's no leadership well you know where you know where strong leadership is needed when you have weak people otherwise you just need the people to lead en masse i mean you need you need people that are willing to step up not looking for somebody to give them orders like police officers or soldiers, they need leaders, and you know what? they their so called leaders, their captains, their lieutenants, their chiefs, police chiefs. They're, they'll back them up because they're doing what those what what those guys tell them to do, and, and that includes the mayors. So, I don't want to I don't want to give somebody else responsibility. I want everybody to accept responsibility. Everybody, police officers. But I'm not going to cast a ballot to 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 you know put another agent of my oppression in office, to give somebody else authority. No, there, there's enough of them out there already. And don't tell me that I need to support a native candidate, because as far as I'm concerned, that person just jumped ship. They just joined the you know the positions of power. They just joined the other side. So I mean kind of brings me back to the original subject about genocide and about assimilation. I don't want to be a part of that system. I don't want to subject myself to their legislative authority to their judicial authority to their jurisdiction and I damn sure don't want to claim any of these 45 run of the guys that uh, have have sat in that office including and perhaps especially the moron that's in the White House today so look and if any of this stuff offends you and, and it may because some of you are picking and choosing which parts of American culture you want to try on next their church their military maybe their police departments I don't know and so what I'm saying you know I hope it makes you think and look if you make a decision an informed decision then at least you you, you gave it the time you, you applied some critical thinking to what you're doing just don't be lured in by the the, the shiny objects and the false promises. Native people have been promised many things over the years. And the only promise that was ever kept was the promise when they said they were going to take our land. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. We'll, uh, we'll see you back here on Tuesday. You know, we-